Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, December the 8th, 2023. It is the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Big feast day today. It's also the Friday of the first week of Advent. Our gospel today, our reading is from the gospel according to St. Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So this is, I think I need to say that this is my favorite day of the church year. <clears throat> Liturgically speaking, uh, feast day wise, etc. This is my favorite feast day. This is my favorite solemnity. Um, I mean, it's not a holiday by our secular terms. If we were going the secular route, okay, we, I would certainly say, I'd probably say Christmas. Um, you know, just because of everything that goes into Christmas and the fun and the fact that the whole society shuts down and all those kinds of things. But on this day, we celebrate more than we realize. We celebrate so many things on this day, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Let's talk about it a little bit. First of all, <laughs> why do I always start with the negative? I don't know. I think of how people say, well, there's no evidence for that in the Bible. Well, if you study Scripture 101, I mean, I guess this wouldn't be in 101, but if we studied the Gospel of Luke, if we read it in the original Greek, which happens when you take, you know, graduate level, even college level classes sometimes in Scripture, you, we would look at this passage and say, all right, what is really being said here? We say in the Hail Mary over and over and over again, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Okay, Hail Mary, full of grace. What are the actual words that the angel said to Mary? Well, he didn't say Hail Mary. We add that word in because she's our mother. We love her. We say her name. 
And the, the word Mary has so much power, largely because of this feast day today, because of this mystery. The word Mary drives out demons. All you have to say is Mary, right? The demons hate that. Mary, 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 Mary. The demons are running right now. They hate that word. Of course, the name of Jesus, infinitely greater. And uh, that was the word that came out of her mouth constantly as she was kissing her baby, as she was raising her son. Ah, it's such a beautiful mystery, and yet it's it's the greatest weapons. It's like I have a nuclear warhead I can just fire. Mary, I can say it again and again. Anyway, all right, I'm getting a little excited here. So we take the word Mary out. Still, it's hell full of grace. Sometimes they say, hail, highly favored daughter. No, that's not what it says. In the Greek, it doesn't exactly say hail full of grace. Let's just talk about full of grace, what that means. No one in the in the Old Testament was ever called full of grace. You know why? Because none of them were. And in fact, hail, the word for hail in Greek in this passage, it doesn't mean yo, it doesn't mean hi. It doesn't mean greetings. It's 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 not worship, but it's respect. There are no characters in the Old Testament where the angels are respecting them as if they're greater than them. But this starts to happen in the New Testament. It happens in Revelation after Jesus has died on the cross, in which the angel is revealing to John, like, okay, we have a different setup here now because Jesus became one of you, died and rose. You know, where they're talking about who should kneel to who, etc. And the, the, you know, the angel says, stand up. We are fellow workers now. We are side by side. But to Mary, the angel says this word, and I don't have the exact word in Greek, but it means it's more than just greetings is what I'm trying to say. It's a sign of respect. So the angel offers words of respect to Mary and then calls her full of grace. I know I have a, I'm so lazy. I have a textbook right next to me where I can pull these words out, but I, with this podcast, I just kind of talk. Imagine if I did all my research and had all my quotes, then we, these things would be twice as long. Um, but the word doesn't mean full of grace. The word means you who have been filled with grace. And I heard an interpretation recently by a scholar, uh, you who are being filled with grace. In other words, regardless of how you interpret that exact Greek word, what it means is it's not just that you're full of grace, which says so much right there, but it's talking about it's it's a bigger word than even that. You who have been filled, you who are being filled with grace. In other words, grace is the Holy Spirit, the life of God in the soul. We need a savior because we don't have the grace in our conception on our own. We don't have the grace. Jesus won that grace for us. He opened heaven for us <clears throat> with his death, his resurrection, his ascension, etc. Jesus gets for that, that grace, us, that grace. But the Immaculate Conception, and it was defined by Duns Scotus and then by uh, the church officially in uh, 1854, I believe, through an infallible decree, but the church teaches, and this was the, uh, the theology of Duns, John Duns Scotus, because Thomas Aquinas wasn't quite getting it right. So along comes a, 
uh, well, Duns Scotus, what was he? Was he Franciscan? Because Aquinas, I know, was Dominican. And I know they argued back and forth over this in the 12th century. But ultimately, it's um, the theology is that it's a prevenient grace, that in anticipation of the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, Mary was given this grace. Mary was already redeemed from the moment of her conception and fully redeemed. So it's not just like us where we're, yes, we receive the grace of redemption, but we continue to sin. Mary was freed from sin before uh you know, before she was born, while she was in the womb. At the moment of her conception, she was preserved from sin. Sin never touched her soul. She was preserved from it. So she then, we with part of this mystery is that Mary then never sinned. She is the ever sinless Virgin Mary. So this is a grace. This is a grace. A creature cannot do this on her own. This is a grace, but it's a grace prefiguring her great role. It's a grace for the purpose of her great role, and it has so much to do with her being the mother of Jesus. I was told a story to illustrate this years ago, and I've heard so many stories like this ever since. In fact, I feel like I, we as a society experience this all the time. Uh, just the story was that um, uh, a little boy had horrible separation anxiety, went to the doctor, you know, went to psychologists, went, et cetera, went to counseling. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with the little boy. And finally, they went to a priest, and the priest said to the woman, um, were you considering abortion when this baby was in your womb? And the, the woman initially said, no, I would never do that. And then he asked her a few more times, are you sure you didn't consider having an abortion? And finally, she broke down and said, yes. And, I mean, that's just one person saying it. It happens so much today. So many of our kids have horrible separation anxiety because they know subconsciously that when they were in the womb, their mothers were thinking about killing them. You know, thank God it didn't happen in these cases, but there is psychological damage from even the consideration of abortion. There is so much that happens between mother and child, even in the womb. In fact, in the womb, I mean, the younger you get, the more impressionable you are. And there is such a connection between mother and child. And it exists on a conscious level, a subconscious level. It exists in the blood. It exists in, in so many ways. You know, my, my own mother, you know, gets premonitions and she, she, she feels things that I'm feeling even when we're miles away, when we're thousands of miles away. She knows things. She feels things. She hears things. So we could call it, could you call it a psychic connection? I'm not talking about psychics like crystal ball psychics, but there is a, there's a deep connection. There's an emotional, psychological, even perhaps a psychic connection that happens between mother and child. And uh, Jesus is perfect. But Jesus, we are told by St. Paul, emptied himself of his divinity, meaning he made himself weak. So he needed a mother that would be perfect to raise him perfectly. He needed to become the perfect man to become our savior. And so he needed to be raised by perfection. I know it brings up a lot of questions about St. Joseph, and we have no answers to those questions. The church doesn't teach anything, and there is no tradition regarding you know, the soul of St. Joseph. See, Mary was with the church for a long time before her assumption into heaven. 
So they got to know her pretty well. And the early church revered her already. We have evidence of this from the first century, second century, third century, of all the reverence and respect and love they had for Mary. And people that knew Mary knew, okay, this is not like anyone else on earth. This person is very, very unique. She has a unique grace given her by God. And so it's the grace given for her motherhood, but also for her motherhood of you and me. And this is where I want to go with this a little bit today. We say Mary in the, in the Hail Holy Queen, we call her our life, our sweetness, and our hope. I want to talk a little bit about our hope today, Mary being our hope. We desperately need hope right now in our world. We desperately need it. And you know, we sit around, I don't know, I think to myself, I don't know, there's so many analogies you can use. A little child having a temper tantrum. What's that going to change, right? And, you know, uh, sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we think, oh, isn't that cute as a baby is crying or as a baby is flailing its arms or legs or whatever. Hey, it's one thing if the baby needs to be fed or changed or something, but sometimes a little child just wants their way. They, they want to play with the pink ball instead of the blue ball. And you didn't give the blue ball, you gave her the, him, him or her the pink ball, and now they're having a temper tantrum. And all you can do is kind of let that run its course. You know, you can't, you can't really discipline a two-year-old very well. You can do it a little bit. There's, there's good parents out there that figure out these things. Um, but sometimes we look at something like that. We think it's cute. God probably looks at us and thinks we're very cute. I know he does. He made us, he made us to be beautiful and good, but we, we run around like chickens without their head on. That's another image for it. In other words, we use all these human efforts and we go crazy sometimes trying to fix things and change things. And we have no control over these things. So, You know, when we just think about our world today, we think about the political situation. We think about issues in our church today that we're struggling with. And you look at social media where everybody's on there and everybody's suddenly an expert and everybody wants to argue it all online and everybody wants to talk all about it. And while on the one hand, it's good to know where we stand and it's good to be informed and educated. I'm certainly a proponent of that. At the same time, we have to let go and realize there's only so much I can do. I can't fix things. I can't change things. But that's not a source of despair. Hopefully that turns us to hope. And we hope in Jesus. Why is Mary our hope? Because she's our hope when it comes to the bride. See, what people tend to forget is that the Bible is not just a story about Jesus. The Bible is a story about bride and bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus. It's God the Father sending Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, in a way, coming to us. I know we never talk about the Spirit as the bridegroom, but we, uh, you know, we talk about Jesus as the bridegroom, and he is the bridegroom par excellence. He's the one through whom we were all made. He's the one mentioned at the beginning of the Bible and at the end of the Bible. The wedding banquet of the Lamb, this is what we were made for. Mary is the bride par excellence. I'll give you an example of why this is our hope. When we say, oh no, the Pope got something wrong. 
Did he? I don't even know. Did does he? Popes can be wrong, right? I mean, popes are human. Popes are fallible. They're infallible when they're declaring official teachings on faith and morals in union with the bishops. That's when they're infallible. And the regular magisterium of the church, we believe, is infallible. That's once again, the pope and the bishops in union with each other consistently over time, declaring truths regarding faith and morals. We believe that to be infallible. But can the pope make mistakes? Can he say something, let's just say, about climate change that other scientists are saying, no, that's not true or whatever. I don't know. There are things that a pope can be wrong about. We know there are things that our bishops can be wrong about. There are things certainly our priests can be wrong about. Our church makes a lot of mistakes. Our members of the church, our leaders of the church, we, we've had abuse crises just recently and we're still reeling from them and we're going bankrupt and losing so much money because of all this. Okay. That's shouldn't have to be a source of despair. Even at the beginning, Peter denied Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. They were apostles. But even then, Mary was our hope. It's why we honor Mary on Saturdays when the whole faith of the world was dead. The day after Jesus' death on the cross, Mary kept it alive. Mary is our hope. Mary, I, it was funny, I read something, I don't know, something was being said the other day about the morning star, and then they said, oh, I remember, it was in this movie about St. Ignatius, and, you know, uh, he's praying about this expression, the morning star, and then it's revealed to him, the devil is the morning star, Lucifer, okay, and he's like, now I know the voice of, of you know, the devil, and I can discern him better, wh- whether to reject him or not, etc., and, um, I thought to myself, wait a minute, that doesn't just refer to the devil. And I Googled it. Of course, I know this, I mean, from the past, but it just, I, my head was spinning like, all right, what's what's going on with this expression? I looked it up and no, the morning star is used to refer, yes, originally to Lucifer, but it's also used to refer to Jesus. I've sung the exultet on, on the Easter vigil nights before, and we refer to Jesus as the morning star. Let the morning star rise within our hearts, we say. Jesus. That's who we're referring to. But Mary is also the morning star. We often refer to her as Maristella, the star of the sea, guiding the sailors in the night, guiding us all in the darkness by her light. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it's kind of cool anyway. Um, so yeah, but Mary is the morning star. Anyway, the morning, the sun rises in the east and Jesus rises. And Mary, once again, Mary is the bride but she's the bride par excellence. We are all the bride. I can say I will follow the Catholic church to my death, God willing. And I ask the Lord always, please make me always faithful to your church until death. Why can I say that with full confidence, even though we're riddled with scandal? Why? Because the church has already reached its fullness in the person of Mary through her immaculate conception, through her assumption that later follows at the end of her life. Mary is in heaven with God Almighty, Father, Son, and Spirit. Mary is human, yet she's fully in heaven, body and soul. Her body never had to go through corruption because she never sinned. Her body was taken to heaven. And so Mary is the pure one. Mary is the morning star that now we can guide our ships by. 
we can look to her and we can say, that's where I'm going. That's where I want to go. I want to be right there where she is. That's why I wear the scapular. That's why I wear the miraculous medal. That's why I pray the rosary because I want to follow where she leads and I never want to veer from that path. So we continue to follow Mary, the morning star, and her being virgin most pure, virgin most innocent, virgin most faithful, all these things that go with her immaculate conception, once again, they give us hope. You know, um, I think about the kings and queens of old that would, uh, you know, they like, like Spain and France wanting to have an intermarriage between their kings and their queens or whatever because they wanted the bloodlines to unite. And then Hitler, by wanting to kill the Jews, wanted to purify the German bloodline, etc. Well, guess what? The blood of Christ is what runs through the veins of the church. And we share that blood with Mary and Mary is perfect. She's arrived. She's in heaven. Jesus is up there. He's taken our humanity into heaven. But Mary is a, is, is a human being. She's just like us in all things, except she never sinned, right? She could have sinned. She's a human being. Jesus became, Jesus is the God man. Jesus is, he's got a little bit of a different identity, a much bigger of a different identity because he's God. He's God who took on humanity. Whereas Mary is a human being, yet she is the fullness of what we're all called to be. And she was that from the first moment of her conception. She is our hope because no matter how bad things get in the United States of America, for example, we remember the Immaculate Conception is our patroness. No matter how bad things get in the church, she is the preeminent member of our church. She's already arrived. We have every reason to hope. If ever anybody says to me, well, you should leave that church because of its corruption, well, to do that means I would be leaving the Immaculate Conception. I would be leaving Mary. Never mind the fact I'd be leaving the Eucharist and the other sacraments as well. So we need her. We need her, but because she is our hope, we don't say, we don't express this need with a feeling of despair, but we express it with great, great, great confidence. I am confident in the salvation of myself as long as I stay faithful, but also the church in general. And also I'm confident in so much good continuing in our world and ultimately leading us to salvation because of Mary. She is the morning star. She is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. She is the Immaculate Conception, and she's what we celebrate today. I, Whenever I talk about her, I, I just want to keep talking. I could go on for hours. <laughs> and I do want to do some podcasts where I do just give some teachings about Mary. Uh, but for today, for this Feast of the Immaculate Conception, you're all in my prayers. I wish you all well. And uh, this is a great feast to have, too, as we're beginning to get ready for Christmas. And um, anyway, happy feast day. God bless you.